Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, in which I'm joined by Stelius Hello. and Bo. Hi. And uh, this is a pre-record because um, I don't want to work on Christmas or any of that week, so we're we're not we're not doing that. So we're instead doing a continuation of the roundups of the year that we're doing. So this, I believe, is the the third quarter, in which we're going, I think so going through the months and, and reminding ourselves of what happened. So I suppose we shall begin with July, which was a month. Not much happened in July, I'll be honest. Okay. Looking back at it, was wasn't that big of a thing. But there were a couple of things that were big, at least a couple of stories that were were actual proper news. And then there's a lot of fun. But I, I'm more of a fun guy, as uh, I'm sure people are aware. But we'll start off with the big news. Now, this was the big news at the time, which is that the French um, warned that they were going to turn into a civil war. Yeah. And this was a bunch of French generals writing a letter, just being like, hey, you remember how we wrote to you before? And so there was going to be a civil war. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> Things are going bad. And this was because, as you can see here, um, well, that prophecy ended up coming true because a, a teenager was shot dead by the police because they told him to stop the car. Uh, he went, no, Lamel, uh, and drove the car at them so they shot him. And of course, this was a crime against diversity and, and the global BAME race. So there were massive uprising in France uh, against the French government and the French people because criminal yeah I mean, it's the way it goes it's 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 really weird where everyone has to read all sorts of narratives within specific events yeah like criminal they, they have to make it a class thing or a class conflict thing weird or in this case a race thing yeah. about, don't you know the french police hate brown people why because they shot a criminal who was endangering them yeah not not the best argument it's a few, very silly. there are a few life lessons that you need to learn, you know, like don't jab a knife into a toaster that's on. Yep. You know, don't drop a toaster that's plugged in into a bath that you're sitting in. Things like that, you know. Don't look down the barrel of a loaded gun see if it's plugged with mud or something like that. Do what armed police tell you to do <laughs> is one of them. Or don't run over whatever they're saying to whatever they're car. saying to do. You do it. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry still. Uh, don't don't use your car to run people over. Yep. It's another good one. <laughs> Another good one. But you're entirely right. Just deal with the police, sue them after if they've done something wrong. But unless you're a partisan fighting the Germans, like, just, just what are you doing? Yeah, not even armed police, all police. Yeah. When, when you're in the line of sight or you're in their presence, just do whatever they're telling you to do, even if it's unfair. But even if it's illegal, because then of, you can sue them after and right. get cash. You kind of got to, because it's not in your interest to not do that. If there's armed police there and they're aiming guns at you and they're telling you to do anything just do it yeah this wasn't an instance like we've seen in america where there's like a drunk guy who was given five different orders from an armed police officer who then shot him like they didn't make any sense that's that's murder no this was a guy who was told to stop the car uh, he went no and, and then died so there we are that's a nice start to the month which is um france doing french things but the big story of that month for me and i think for everyone was this diversity cries because the united states supreme court finally got the court case of I think the decade where they had to decide whether or not diversity hires were unconstitutional. Okay. And of course they went, no, that's unconstitutional. That's retarded. You can't hire people just because I want the blackest woman. And they, the best part of this was the fact that, of course, the blackest womanist woman you'd ever seen had just been picked to be on the Supreme Court by Joe Biden to be a black woman. So, of course, she voted no. She said it was fine and didn't even turn up for the conversation. Mm. So, um, Justice Thomas wrote one paragraph about how clearly this was unconstitutional and then wrote five pages 
just shitting on her. Just be like, she's an awful person. Yes. She doesn't understand anything. And it was like, that was good. That was a good time, I think. Yeah. Um, the, the Supreme Court in America is so unbelievably pivotal. It's weird. Like When you look into the nature of the American state, and how it works, really, loads of it, lots of it pinges on whether the Supreme Court works properly. Um, so, it kind of doesn't. Sorry? It kind of doesn't, though. because it, it, I, I mean, it does function on it, but I mean, the Supreme Court doesn't really work properly because the way it works is just whichever majority of ideological people are there, mm. that suddenly becomes what the Constitution said, trust me, bro. Yeah, yeah. Until there's a new group of ideological people running it. Yeah. Like the Supreme Court in the 19th century said slavery is okay and child labor is okay. And then later, decades later, said, actually, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not. And so whatever they say really goes. They inter can in basically interpret the Constitution. So it's so important. So to try and pack it with partisans or, the blackest or, or, or race baiters or something yeah. is the most insidious thing the Democrats have done, in my opinion. Um, there's a great historian, Alastair Cook, English historian, who talks all about that. Look him up. On, on the Supreme Court. It's fascinating stuff. I'm sure there's a YouTube video of it. What I find a bit uh, amazing is that the Democrats, the woke Democrats, they're trying to say sometimes that they are constitutional, but if they're clearly not, and some judges are saying that you're unconstitutional, then they blame the Constitution as bigoted. Mm. So it's, an, it's a document created by bigotry. So it's, it's really weird why, on the one hand, they want to have the conversation. It shows that for them, it's just all a facade. Mm. They want to appear as if they are, let's say, friendly towards some people, let's say, who are undecided, the swing voters who may have really warm sentiments towards the Constitution, but it doesn't seem to me to be to show their actual sentiments with respect to it. But the, the end result is that now it is unconstitutional in the United States. So the universities in question had to stop uh, hiring, well, accepting black applicants who shouldn't have been there and rejecting Asian applicants who should have been there. Because really, white people weren't really part of the conversation. Yeah, it really it screws down over high-achieving <laughs> Asians. Is who it really screws over, right? And yeah, then... that was the de facto actual conversation going on. <laughs> so there we are. I will be interesting to see if academic agents' theory is correct. That of course, culture is downstream from law, because this is a pretty good example of the law just explicitly saying no. You can't just hire people for being black or woman because you like black or woman. That's that's stupid. That's not constitutional. To all the institutions of the United States to see if the American culture actually reigns back in some of this, as he puts it, put the woke away. But that, that yeah. sounds a bit reductionist in this case because you have many cases where people are putting forward some laws and the people don't want it and they, they rebel or they have engaged in act, actions of civil disobedience. So just oh, for sure, I, I'm not here to rewrite. There is a, there is an uh, there is a an effect. There is a likelihood that it that if something is a law. A lot of people do treat it as sacrosanct. I don't think it's a fail-safe thing. So the, I won't reiterate all of academic agents' argument because we yeah, yeah. too long. But the, no. the fundamental part is essentially not the politicians, but the legal system. Yes, but isn't there a distinction between law and law enforcement? Because I think most of the problem is with enforcing existent law. Maybe, but I don't want to get okay. into all of that. But uh, that was the big story. I think and that probably was the biggest story of the month. But after that, I was going through all the segments we did, and really the, the big interesting things for me were just kind of the fluff bollocks that happened throughout that month that were weirdly consequential in a strange way. So we'll start off with this one, I suppose, which is um, the absolute death of Idubs as a figure. Just He's now completely gone. 
And uh, that was the month where it finally ended, I think, for anyone who thought that he might come back one day and stop being retarded and start being, I don't know, interesting again, if nothing else. You may remember he basically went on an apology tour where he was like, I'm so sorry for saying jokes. I'll never do it again. Please, please forgive me. And uh, the reason any of this happened is because he met a transgender fan who said the phrase, oh, I'm just going to assume you don't like trans people, but that's okay with me, to take a selfie with him. And he took that, instead of correcting them, because obviously he doesn't have a problem with that, um, he decided that his whole career was evil and to throw it into the dumps. And it seemed to have been mostly catalystically uh, made from the fact that he has a girlfriend who's, who's just bullying him, which... It was just an end of an era, really. It was just the end of fun YouTubers, like the old breed who, who just like to be edgy and have fun. He was really the, the last one who um, was big and is now, well, gone. There we are. End of an era for YouTube, at least. Anyway, some other stories that were good fun. So there's this one, which um, turned out that a lot of black feminists love white cock, which is a pr- rather crude way of putting it, but it turned out to be true. Like, we literally went through the most prominent feminist uh, black Americans, and every single one of them has a white husband, we discovered. It was like, ha. All these people spend all their time whining about whiteness and white supremacy and how white men feel so entitled. All of them have white husbands. Okay. AOC's got a white husband, isn't she? She is one of them, yeah. Right, yeah. Look at Harry there. (laughs) The old times. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Harry does sort of change with the seasons. He he comes and yeah. goes. It was a good feature. Yeah, anyway. it's not the only thing that was um, good. Good. Well, I suppose research. He looks like a musketeer. There, one of the three musketeers. Yeah, yeah. We should get a sword, Christmas. But the the next big story I think of the time was that we found out that um, you literally can't buy a house. It's impossible. Give up. Just don't bother. And this was because a local lady came to our attention uh, where she had fifty grand. Was trying to buy a house in Cardiff. And even with that large deposit, she couldn't actually find finance. It was literally impossible with her circumstances. I was really? like, oh, that's, that's pretty tough. So then we thought, okay, is that really true? And we did manage to find her a place in the end, which is this one on screen, which, um, yeah, I, I don't know if she ever took up the offer, but there we are. We, we did the investigation. There is a place where you can buy, and it's that, which is, is a pretty awful area, but too bad. Point being, the housing crisis in the UK, I think, finally reach peak retardation. Sorry, that's covered with condensation. Yes. Look, she's worked hard. She deserves it. That's, that's all I'm getting. <laughs> but anyway, so there we are. I mean, things did get worse later in the year, but I'm not here for those months. It's just for that one where everyone realized financing was absolutely crazy. And um, then the last thing that happened in that month of everyone thought was going to be at least a big consequence, or at least the boomers did. It turned out to be a complete nothing burger fad. Mm. Is this NPC TikTok? Yeah, you remember? Yes, I remember. I was sat there with um, Dan, and uh, I love Dan, but my God, like him and Carl were just like, "Oh boy, this is going to change everything. This is a massive uh, shift in in Zuma culture, and there's going to be loads of these." And then it instantly died. What was it? This must have passed me by. The NPC fad, you didn't see? I don't know. What was it? I don't know if I can play some for you, and you can you can enjoy the festivities, which is. I th- I think that this is appropriate for the occasion. Yeah, let's play. Kitty paws. Oh, 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 pumpkin yum. <laughs> is that AI or is that a real person? Oh, 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 That's a real pumpkin person. Yum. Okay, pretending to be. Kitty paws. Come on. 
Okay, that, okay, that's what I'm looking at. Okay, got it. What were they saying? Can you remind me of what they were saying about how this is going to change everything? And is it just that endlessly? Yeah. Okay, I it's just vaguely a... recall this. Oh, oh yeah, no. Did it degenerate quite quickly into like not attractive people doing it? Yeah. Like men doing it. And then men tried. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, no, I recall just, now. No, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> there are some funny, uh, like, I suppose, remnants of this stupid fad, which is that I've seen a few guys who are role playing as that. But it's a pre-recorded video, and they're pretending to be like medieval streamers, and they're just like, "Oh, Gelwick of uh, of Canterbury, thank you for the twenty-five subs." <laughs> it's just like, man, it's the French. I know, yeah, I know. It's always the French, isn't it? Calum, <laughs> I, I think do it's... remember now. Sorry, guys. sorry, sorry, I interrupted. Oh no, I was just gonna say I, I do remember it now, but it, yeah, it came and went so fast. Um, what Carl and Dan thought it would be. Yeah, I just remember thing, uh, I mean, going forward. People didn't get to see the conversations that are in the office as well, but on stream, of course, Dan was just like, man, this is a, a big shift. And then Carl, for like two days, was, was massively obsessing about, oh, man, this is a big thing. And I remember the third day when we did a podcast together on it, he was just being, yeah, this is going nowhere. It was just <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah. Keep it this way, because I want to say that if you look at your faces, Dan seems there like <laughs> he, he thinks he, he's about to find a gold mine. In the distance, and you're looking there. It's not gold, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it was just yet another whore. Um, literally, she's a porn star, uh, begging for money on the internet, which was a stupid fad and, and came and went. But it wasn't the only thing that was a, a stupid fad that came and went. I'll uh, I'll end this off, which is I suppose the other fluff piece of that month, which became a big thing. Which is uh, everyone and their mum had a theory about Barbie, of course. Yeah. <laughs> which um. I, I think it's finally died out. I don't think anyone. Cares I haven't about watched it. I just didn't understand why people were so psyched about it. Yeah, because there was there was a before it was actually released. There was some theories that would be hyper feminist because uh, a bunch of the behind the scenes stuff was weirdly feminist. Although they did end up kicking out that fat comedian that nobody likes, the female one, fat female comedian, Joe Bradley. Uh, no, <laughs> she's American. Amy Schumer. Oh. There we are. Um, she was going to play Barbie, and then everyone went. Come on. <laughs> no. And um, so, a Netflix Barbie, maybe. So then the, <laughs> I think she plays everything on Netflix. The, I happen to know the actual Barbie fandom, the people who like the old Barbie movies from when they were little girls and then still make edits about it. That's a whole thing on YouTube. Mm. Uh, they were all kind of hyped for the, the movie to just be good. And then the movie ended up not being even slightly discussed by the Barbie fandom. Uh, do they have, were they plastic doll aficionados? No, no, there's, there's like a real community of people who just love Barbie movies, like okay. the old um, animated ones from the 2000s. You know, weird subcultures, right? But they're all like now 20-something women yeah. who grew up with those movies, and they were all really hyped, and they, they have their own YouTube channels, like a million subscribers, all making edits of these old movies. So I was like, okay, you know, this, this might be funny, I guess. And then um, those people saw the movie and immediately left. And the only people left talking about the movie were, of course, political people who all had their own theories about the Barbie movie. Because those people, that community, that sounds all right to me. That's okay. If you're a little girl. Little girls and, who like Barbie. Right, yes. yeah, that's fine. That's, I'll allow it, right? There's nothing weird and perverted and subversive about that, right? Yeah, of course. But from what I gather, I haven't seen the Barbie <laughs> movie. I've got no intention of watching it. Yeah. Uh, but from what I gather, it's not, it's not what it was about, right? That fandom. It wasn't trying to... I just wasn't even part of the series. Right. I mean, like, the, the whole point of the old Barbie movies is Barbie getting with Ken. And then this new one, Ken didn't end up with Barbie. So it's like My Little Pony or something. If you was a little kid, little girl, <laughs> you liked My Little Pony, and you've now just grown up into your twenties, and you still like My Little Pony, 
that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's when it's middle-aged men that insist they love the culture and subcultures to do with my play. That's when it's not okay anymore, right? To be fair, I don't think it was so much people who are bronies, but just everyone political was like, bro, I've got a theory about Barbie. I think Colin yeah. didn't end up releasing his grand theory about Barbie and I still haven't watched it because I just I watched the movie and just went that was a waste of time well this story goes on into August because I'm going to talk about it in a minute oh um, god but, yeah, yeah I know <laughs> right uh, but yeah it's well I'll leave my take to, to then but. there we are uh, a fairly uneventful July except uh, a lot of goodwill from diversity hires getting uh, the boot and then a lot of just end of an era funny stuff really mm. hope you enjoyed well, on that, we shall move to August and uh, enjoy the furthering of the story. Okay, well, I've been charged with doing a quick rundown of August. and uh, Serve your sentence. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is going out over Christmas, right? So um, I hope you enjoy this over Christmas, looking back at the summer. But anyway, it seems to me, looking back at August, it was actually quite a good month for guests, having guests on. There's quite a few guests. Uh, on the 1st of August, we had the MP Andrew Bridgen on, who's been on more than once. Um, and so, you know, that's, uh, it's always good to have him on, um, cause of course he actually does good work. He's actually, as an MP, got at least some small amount of power. He gets a vote in parliament and, um, you know, he's sort of a staunchly anti-vaccine guy, isn't he? Uh, did you see, um, not in August, but in a month or two ago from now, um, that he did a speech and tried to have a vote about looking into the all the anti-vaccine stuff, and like hardly anyone turned up. Like the whole so. chamber was just empty. But worse than that, the BBC, who have BBC Parliament, which is a TV channel that just streams Parliament so the public can watch it, decided that that kind of impartiality wasn't their uh, job anymore, and just shoved loads of warnings over it that Andrew Bridgen was wrong, and then have now recently had to retract all of that. Mm. So, Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. Clearly an enemy of the elite. So, uh... uh... Uh, the Honourable Mr. Bridgen is uh, uh, a, a warrior. Um, I wish him absolutely all the best. Anyway, he came on, talked to Carl. Um, so that was it. Hopefully, we'll have him on again at some point. Um, he Obviously, the Tories chucked him out, and he went to uh, Lawrence Fox's party, didn't he? Reclaim, which is a bit odd, but there you go. Um, I hope he gets re-elected at the next okay. election, but I fear not. But we'll see. Good luck to him. Genuinely good luck to him. Yeah. Um, on the 2nd of December, uh, there was a, a piece there that was, uh, I thought was worth sort of mentioning again or going over, was the, the number of, the sheer number, the sheer volume of Turkish barbers that we see. It's a funny thumbnail there. Yeah. So in, um, in August. In 2nd August. of August. Yeah, what did yeah, I yeah. say? I, I think uh, December. But... Oh, no, sorry. Yes, yeah, so on the 2nd of August. We did a bit. I think, did, was it your bit? It the- Might have been Harry's, okay, but I don't recall. But we had a, a police report that came out that just said, "Hey, you know those Turkish barbers? Yeah, we think they're fronts for people trafficking and drug trafficking." And everyone who obviously lives in the real world who has had all those weird barbers set up around them are like, "Yeah, we know." Yeah, <laughs> no one's in them. Yeah, obviously. they're all run by Kurds. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. They say they're Turkish, and then usually not. They're Kurdish, or they're Syrian, or they're Afghan, or they're anything. And they're usually Iraqi, Iraqi Kurds or Syrian Kurds, or Iranian Kurds. Like, very few actual Kurdish Turk, Turkish Kurds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very few Turkish. But it's because it just sounds a bit nicer to a normie that they're Turkish. It's a bit less sort of foreign and alien 
then I'm from Kurdistan. Well, if you're from in Iraq, if, yeah, if you're from Iraqi Kurdistan. I mean, a few of the conversations I had with those people, and I used to go to those barbers before. I was just like, "Oh, the hell with this! I'm finding somewhere. I don't care where it is." I ended up finding a Brazilian place. Very nice. All right. But uh, one of them, he was telling me about how he remembers because he was there during ISIS rising up, and I was like, "Oh yes, what was it like?" And he just went, "Oh, um, I don't want to talk about it." I was like, Whoa. "Uh, okay, you, were you against them or something?" And he was like, "I just, it's not. I, they don't exist." I was like, what? He said, like, "They're not real." Okay. Yeah, it was like, uh. Anyway, put that razor down, mate. I'm yeah. happy with the hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Did he shave you? No. <laughs> just, I've not been back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like Kurdistan. It's like around Mosul or northern Iraq. It's like, isn't that ISIS territory? Like Their capital. Their capital, yeah. Like Raqqa, Mosul, around where ancient Nineveh was. Um, yeah, it's one of the worst hotspots in the world. And now a lot of them are here running quote-unquote barber shops with no customers uh, with no customers and yet uh the people that run them seem to quite often park outside in like top of the range bmws and mercedes and things like that there's a few, in swindon just in swindon there's loads of them like a dozen two dozen i don't know sometimes they're next door to each other yeah it's like obviously it's a front for Money laundering, drugs, people smuggling, whatever it is. I, I can think of seven at least within five minutes of walking. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. It, easy, yeah, easily. And across the whole of Swindon, it's just, it's just loads. Of, it's, oh, it's so obvious. Um, and yet our authorities don't seem to care. Don't seem to do anything about it. Um, they're complicit in it on some level, of course. What is there on the thumbnail? What's going on? That's a man in San Francisco, I believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to say more. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we're on that, I feel like when you've got a big enough homeless population, uh, they just relieve themselves on the street. And if it's a big enough problem, then you just get a, a turd apocalypse. Yes. Or a poonami, or whatever you'd want to call it. Of, of just, uh, it's ridiculous. I remember in this segment, was it uh, you had a, a link, a satellite link or a satellite picture of San Francisco and the location of each of the pieces of excrement yeah, on the, the map? There, there's various uh, maps set up by tech nerds who wanted to uh, find out how bad it was and now kind of regret making that map. Because... Isn't the map just full? Yeah, um, there's no point in making a map. It's literally just take out a felt tip pen that's brown and just shade in the city <laughs> and you've got your map. Man, because you know, back in back in the day, you know, in the I don't know, sixties, seventies, or even eighties, or whatever, or it, San Francisco had a reputation for being lovely, being really, really nice. Like the Bay Area was known for being beautiful, if anything. And now, um, what the Democratic Party have done to it, um, terrible. On the fourth of August, we had in um, Mr. Peter Whittle. Um, there he is. He's been on a number of times, a friend of the podcast. And he's always great, right? He's always got a number of base takes. Yeah. I, I really like Peter Whittle. From um, New Culture Forum. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the, the face of New Culture Forum. They've actually got a bit like Lotus. They've got quite a few, It's not just him anymore, is it? He's got a bunch of lads on there. Yeah. Um, I think Connor's been on there. Um, and anyway, I watch that sometimes. It's, it's quite good sort of doing a, a similar thing to us, adjacent to us in some ways. And uh, Peter Whittle's Twitter account is also quite good. Yeah. Um, again, just being pretty based. 
saying stuff. <laughs> um, uh, on the 7th of August, again, came back with the Barbie thing. <laughs> you don't much say on that, do you? Well, I'll just tell people my take on it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, I just think the whole thing's a stupid, stupid embarrassment. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to sort of get be too hard line on this. But there was a, a few, there was a bit of a schism in the office about whether just some behind the scenes stuff for people. Um, some people in the office thought it was an interesting, good story. Uh, Carl and Connor and a few others, and some thought it was was more or less indifferent to it, and some thought it was an embarrassment. Really, I was one of those. Um, it's just it's just a nonsense. Even if there is a sort of an angle there about it being it's actually secretly based or some crap, it's just like it's just nonsense. It, it's just a, a, discre- a distraction, nothing more than that. And um, I don't know why. We really spent, as an organization, spent time and energy on it. That's my, that's my take. You didn't hear me say anything about it at the time. I never tweeted anything about it one way or the other, but that is my feelings on it. Um, so it came up again. It's, it's not that deep. It's, not that imp- it's certainly not important at all. Um, like the culture war stuff, I just don't, because like iDubs, I don't really know who iDubs is. I let a lot of this stuff pass me by. Like well, you've got to girl. be in the scene for that. Yeah. And then if you're not. Like that AI girl, I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, there's loads of stuff quite often um, something in the news cycle come up and it's someone that's like a really important influencer they've got millions and millions of followers and they've done or said something and I'm like I've never never heard of this person I feel like a bit of a boomer but you know I don't mind it's fine Um, I think it depends on the the influencer right because if it's someone who's political or has done something interesting like it's it's kind of cool but when it's some guy who mostly makes like Minecraft videos has said something that's a bit raunchy. It's like, I couldn't give less for crap. It's I'm like, not watching Minecraft videos. I'm not 12 anymore. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. That's the thing with a Barbie. I'm not a girl. I was never a little girl. I don't care about Barbie on any level. Um, so, like, for example, in the, in the New Cycles Day, and this is uh, early December we're talking about when this is being recorded, there's something about Destiny. And I'm vaguely aware of the name of Destiny this person, this online influencer person, but I've never ever watched any of their content ever. I don't really know, don't really know who they are, right? He's a debate bro. Is he? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, I don't think he ever leaves America, he just debates. Well, the take I saw when I was scrolling through something or other is that he's a, a true moron. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, that doesn't uh, narrow it down. Uh, really. Like <laughs> his general knowledge was laughably bad. I saw someone say he'd never heard of Franco. I assume General Francisco Franco. He didn't know the proper name for the United States of America. Stuff like that, like real sort of borderline retarded level. So sort of. anyway, yeah, these things, <laughs> these things come up. I mean, well, surely, how can you be an adult, a thirty-something, and not know that America is called the United States? How is that possible? You know. Um, anyway, so Just the way you put it was funny to me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like quite often someone yeah. will come up and I just, uh, not only don't I know who they are, I've got no intention of finding out even. Yeah. You know, like with this Barbie thing, it, it, was, a quite a, it was quite a thing for a while in August, wasn't it? Uh, July and August. It was, it was all over Twitter and the internet and people talking about it and all sorts of, loads and loads of videos on YouTube got made by all sorts of people. And uh, I just let it all wash over me. I just, just could not be less interested. How do you feel about the notion that I've heard people use unstoppable Kenergy. They just came and went. <laughs> like, that's, yep. my, that's my full reaction to it. Yeah. 
just that. Yeah, Ken and Kennedy and all that sort of thing. Just, uh... But then, you know, I'm like uh, a history nerd, you know. I, I've yeah. not really watched hardly any of the Harry Potter films. I certainly haven't read any of the books. Uh, I've got no intention of doing that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll be rereading Gibbon or something or, or Charles Oman or, you know, I just haven't got time. You know, when you when you actually read a quite a lot, it's quite a time-consuming thing, right? You read loads, don't you? It's a time-consuming thing. You've got to pick and choose what you're going to read, what you're going to really spend your time on. I made a choice back then because I, I made up and when I was really young. I read the fourth Harry Potter and then I went to Lord of the Rings and I couldn't go back to Harry Potter again. Right. I know some people maybe hate me, but I mean, after Lord of the Rings, you can't go back to things like that. I'm not I mean, really- that that's how I see it. I love Harry Potter, the movies. I'm never reading the books. Don't right. care. But I will agree with you. If you didn't grow up with it, I don't know if there's much in it yeah. for a person. Well, I was already in my early 20s, I must have been, I suppose, when the first book came out or something like that. I'm now a middle-aged man. It's like, no, I'm not going <laughs> to go back and read the Harry Potter books. So there's, no, there's nothing in it. It's no value to me, I'm afraid. Uh, I don't want to needlessly alienate some massive Harry Potter fans out there. But anyway, that's... That's how I feel. I've got more important things to be reading, right? <laughs> I need to reread some Socratic dialogues for to make a bit of content for this or something, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna delve into the subculture of barber. All right, all right, <laughs> all right, go ahead. all right, all right. I'll move on. I'll move on. <laughs> and um, what's the next thing? Uh, oh, Vobes. On the eighth of um, August, we had in Mr. Richard Vobes, Vobesy. Now I was on that one, and um, I there we go. There we go, Vobes. Now, I do want to issue a slight bit of an apology or an, or an explanation uh, because I was sort of slated to go on the podcast that day and I decided that what I was going to do a bit about was uh, sort of doomers, accelerationists and, and boomers, boomer doomers, like don't be a boomer doomer, don't be a doomer in general. Um, and I had no idea that uh, Mr. Vobes uh, is a, 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 a tiny little bit that way inclined. Well, his thinking is that we sh- it's no point sort of voting particularly. You should take yourselves out and go to um, sort of rural communities and yeah. deal with the, the destruction of our civil society in that way. So when I was doing my bit, towards the end, we had not exactly crossed words, but we disagreed a little bit. And uh, which was fine. It was, wasn't a problem. There There's was, no reason to apologize for that. I, I, no, no, but I remember watching it. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't see it as hostile. Oh, good. Personally. Good. good. Yeah. And afterwards, I said to him, like, yeah. that wasn't meant to be any sort of personal attack on you. And he took it very well. He, I genuinely believe him when he said, oh, no, I didn't take it that way. Nonetheless, nonetheless, it could have looked like, it could have looked like that we got him in for me to sort of do that to him. And that's it. Absolutely not. Okay. How it went. That's not why it happened. Because I think he's great. I think Vobes is great. I'd love to have him back on. Um, so I don't think there was any sort of bad blood or anything like that. But I just did want to absolutely set the record straight that there's not even a hint of that's what was going on. Um, and in fact, it was, I thought, quite a good exchange between me and him. I was saying, no, come on, let's, you know, we need to sort of, we can't, it is possible to sort of. I think you made out. a good point because if on the one hand there are people who are criticizing government for being too interfering, on the one hand, and on the other hand, they say just go and live in communities. There is the obvious question that you raised: uh, How do you think they're not going to interfere with you in these communities? Yeah. But I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, short of like paramilitaries being formed yeah. and actually being sm- storming Parliament and stuff, 
Like, well, you've got to vote yourself out of it, though, because yeah, you won't be left alone on your in your on in your communes and things. Um. So anyway, that was that. Um. Do hope we can get Richard Vobes back on at some point. Um. So there you go. Uh. What else? Oh, on the eleventh, we had uh, the lovely Freya India came in. There she is. <laughs> um. I didn't actually end up. Watch, well, you, you run it with Harry, right? It was Harry, myself, uh, and uh, her. So I only watched a few clips of that. I didn't really get to, I didn't really watch the whole thing, but how did that yeah. go? Was that all right? Yeah, it was a really good uh, discussion, and she has uh, really good things and insightful things to say about uh, modern relations between uh, women and men, and uh, especially young people. And uh, it was a really good um, really good podcast. And I, I remember that was the day with the lesbian Nana incident. Oh, the, the, fir- the first yeah. incident. Yeah, so it, yeah, we had plenty of stuff to talk about. All right. Cool. Uh, well, let's see what else. On the 15th, um, there was an interesting bit where Dan did a segment about the nuking of Japan. A sort of a historical... Ca- current affairs segment. Thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, he, uh... <laughs> Dan discusses if it's a good idea to nuke Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Was it justified? Yeah, so obviously that's sort of a little bit in my, in my wheelhouse. In sort of history themed and me being history nerd. And I'm fascinated, of course, by World War II and also, also by the war in the Pacific. Yeah. Um, I have actually done a, quite a lot of reading about the war in the Pacific, about America versus Japan. And, and of course, you can't look at any of that stuff without, you know, ending up having a, a decent look at the, uh, all the politics and arguments around the using of the atom bomb in, in uh, 45. August 45 uh, and so in the office behind the scenes earlier that day or the day before Dan told me I sit next to Dan um, he was going to do it and we sort of bounced a few ideas off each other and um, there's a difficult thing it's one of those arguments well, it's one of those topics in history that whatever you say whichever side of the argument you come down on there's going to be a decent chunk of people that yeah. sort of quite vehemently disagree with you uh, but I think he did. I think he did quite well. To be perfectly honest, on it, um, yeah. My take on it, if anyone's interested, super briefly, is just that it's one of those things where what people were thinking at the time is you, you have to take that into account when you look back back at it in retrospect. It's, it's massively distorted. Yeah. Um, just look at what Truman what Truman said his speech at the time. He said stuff like, you like look into the camera and say, I'm prepared to destroy every single Japanese person. <laughs> like almost, I'm, like, I'm barely <laughs> paraphrasing. Yeah, I know. That's just, right? Um, uh, America back in World War II was a hell of a place. Yeah. Yeah, it was like we spent a lot of guys on Iwo Jima and uh, Okinawa and stuff. And if I have to destroy every Japanese building and every person, then that's what's going to happen. And I get a surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, let's get through the rest. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Oh, do we need to go all the way up to? Are we still doing an hour and a half total here? Uh, no, it's just, I just oh. I thought we should move on a little bit. All right, fair enough. I've only got a few more left here to go through. On the eighteenth, we had uh, Peter McIlvenner in. He's also another very base gentleman. It was nice to speak to him a little bit, at least behind the scenes in the office beforehand. Um, He's always got uh, some sort of very interesting takes. Do you remember particularly what he was with you on the podcast within that? Uh, I wasn't uh, that day on the podcast. 
Mm. I've worked with him a fair bit. He's a personal assistant to Lord Pearson, but also runs Hearts of Oak. And of course, he's Hearts of Oak. Of course, he is, right? Yeah. yeah, he used to work a lot back in the UKIP days for everyone as well. And so he's he's got some proper expertise about like how things actually function. Yeah, yeah. I remember him in the, in in the office behind the scenes uh, talking about people just throwing around ideas like we do, and him saying, "Actually, no, that you know that couldn't quite work because of this reality and things." Yeah. Got, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah." No, fair enough. You're right there. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Um, so he's an interesting, absolutely got a, an interesting mind on him. Um, I mean, Jones lying again. I can't recall exactly what it was that time, but um, you know, that's that's Jones's stock in trade, isn't it? Essentially, that lying. doesn't sound like news. The, if <laughs> if he was sincere, it would be news, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be noteworthy. Yeah, if he happened to be sincere at some point. Um, on the twenty second, there was a piece all about. Uh, rich men north of Richmond, um, which incidentally, very recently, again, the, at the beginning of December, right? Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, I just happened to put, I don't think that's a very good song in hindsight, looking back at it a few months ago now. Um, largely, people seem to agree with me, but there was a small contingent yeah. on Twitter which uh, very, very heavily disagreed with me, insisted uh, that... that um, that Oliver Anthony isn't actually a globalist democrat uh, shill. Um, that it was it is a value as a as a as a rebellious song, but there you go. Uh, Father Calvin Robinson's a big fan. Who knew? I don't think I was in the country at the time. Like I was in Russia or something, so it just completely missed me. Yeah. He's a country it's from the South. And so it's like um, it's country music. Yeah. And um, he's moaning about the rich men north of Richmond, Virginia, the Yankees yeah. in the north, then being rich. There are actually some pretty based lyrics in there, um, uh, you know, re referencing just the destruction of American society. And um, I think he references um, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. No, who was the guy? Epstein. Epstein yeah. The Epstein Island and stuff like that. Um, so I don't hate it at all. I think maybe the, the uh, sentiment behind it is... Uh, definitely got his heart in the right place. I just think the actual song isn't all that great. Anyway, next thing. On the 23rd, uh, ex-MEP Mr. Godfrey Bloom came in. And uh, I'm a really big fan of, of Bloom. I think he's great. Bongo, bongo land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All I, the greats. I love his worldview, his takes, how unapologetic he is. I was lucky enough, not in August later, to do a one-on-one epochs with him talking about World War One. Um, and he really knows his stuff, really knows his onions. I mean, he's a, he's a type of his, historian. And he's just a great person to have an interview with. You know, when someone's just, just general knowledge is very, very, very deep. Yes. And, um, and they're just completely based, won't take any nonsense. And he has a great sense of humor. Yeah. I remember because yeah, yeah, yeah. both times he was here, I was on the panel. He's very funny. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, he sort of doesn't care, you know, who he might annoy. Um, all right, one of the last things I'll mention there is on the 28th, right at the end of August, uh, Dr. Nima Parvini, a.k.a. the academic agent, came in. He's uh, obviously good friends with Carl Benjamin. And um, as I understand it, we'd wanted him to come in from inception. And he'd sort of always said no for various reasons. But uh, Carl eventually sort of wore him down. And I think, they'd, I think uh, like the week before, the weekend before, they'd been to the shieldings. Thing. So they got him in and uh, he made a bit of extra content as well as not just the podcast. 
And um, yeah, it's always got interesting things to say. I don't personally necessarily agree with all these takes, but it's certainly interesting and nearly, largely, in my opinion, um, nearly always right about things, uh, if not always. But they talked about Tony Blair, and um, it's hard to deny that Tony Blair is some sort of dark lord of global politics on some level. Uh, well, the evidence is there that he pulls strings on sort of a global level. Um, so that takes certainly, I've got no qualms with. Um, so yeah, go out and, ch- and check, go back and check that out if you haven't already, if you're an AA fan. Um, and I think Connor did a book club with him. Um, was that all the content? I think on his book, The Prophets of Doom. Prophets of Doom, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so that's it for August. Um, if you want to, I want to talk about September. Sure, fair enough. Yep. Should I? Yep, thank you. Great. Now let's go to September. September was a very interesting month. Lots of bad things happened. Maybe not as bad as October, but se- se- um, certainly several stuff on the front of uh, illegal immigration, censorship, and also you could say some uh, rewriting of history or revisionism took place. Now, one thing to note is that you remember the Russell Brand allegations? Several women, uh, I think it was four of them, were contacted by the Times, I think Times, Sunday Times, and then there were independent media outlets who were conducting investigations about um, Russell Brand and his alleged misconduct in the past, especially in the period between 2006-2013. Do you remember these accusations? Not really, to be honest. There's, there's a lot, uh, it seems to happen a lot, doesn't it? Where there's some guy who's like, man, he's evil, he's evil, he's done stuff. But because you're never actually able to pin down exactly what he did, like with Epstein, he raped kids. Like, I, I know this. you don't forget about it, but when it's someone like Russell Brand, it's like, what did he do exactly? I, I don't remember. I have no idea. So basically, the interesting, let's say, exchange was this one, where you, you could read, basically, there is a, an, uh, an alleged witness or an alleged victim uh, called uh, Nadia. Nadia is a nickname. It's an a- alias. It's not the real name. Sorry, I, I don't know if an alias is used to, to be in a pejorative sense. I don't mean it in that way if it is. Anyway, so they had this, and apparently this was enough to trigger an investigation into him. But what was interesting was that, if you remember, there was the way that it was presented was, again, very political. You remember all front pages were saying Russell Brand accused of rape, Russell Brand accused of uh, sexual misconduct thing, things like that. But it was interesting because they portrayed him as you know a figure of the right wing, <laughs> whereas I think that in that period between 2006 and 2013, he wasn't right wing at all. He was way more left wing. Well, he's still not. I mean, he yeah. might be yes. a, a pro free yeah. speech person, but as I understand it, he quite likes the thought of Noam Chomsky. I think he's still a Bernie bro. Yeah. So. There's elements of what he does, which is sort of uh, centrist or right-leaning or based or whatever you want to say, but mostly he's still a, a lefty. He just doesn't want so, all of us thrown in prison for what we think currently. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That should be the default. It, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. And he was also seen as a critic of uh, Big Pharma. That is one of the reasons why many allege that he was um, accused. He, he denied and uh, let, let's see where it goes because this is going to be one of those stories where it's going to drag for a long time. Now, 
Do you remember what happened in Lampedusa? Oh, one last thing. Sorry, before we move yeah. on from Russell Crowe. Again, we're recording this in early December. Yeah. He has not been charged. There's no trial coming. He doesn't seem to have been charged with anything, as far as I can tell. So that tells you a lot. I mean, it might come further down the line that he is, in fact, charged and brought before a criminal court. But so far, months, yeah. i.e. months later, nothing's yeah. I, I, come of it. I don't so, know, but I, I remember that uh, people from all across the spectrum were rushing in to say he did it or he didn't do it. Yeah. Whereas I think it's important to believe in the rule of law. Right, Even yeah. if sometimes it doesn't function properly, it's the only thing we have in order for society to not disintegrate into chaos. Now, do you remember Lampedusa? Speaking of societies yeah. disintegrating into chaos or being threatened to disintegrate into chaos. So Lampedusa is a small Italian island with around 6,000 people. And it had a flux of, let's say... That don't worry about it. Uh, Basically, there was just loads of people invading the island for yeah, um, 20 years. This is, from, this is from The Guardian, which is describing it as a humanitarian crisis as opposed to, a, to an illegal invasion. And uh, it says at least 11,000 people reached the island in boats over four days, with a peak of 5,000 only on September 12th. So imagine you're in a geographical region and you have close to, let's say, 100 close to 200% of, of your population migrate into the island. This is basically, it's not that these people went to Lampedusa. Lampedusa just lost its character. I think it's been like this ever since NATO got rid of General Gaddafi. Yeah. Just ever since Libya fell into that, Lampedusa has just been living in hell. And we have pictures here from Lampedusa. Yeah, and this is normal. That, this is how yeah. life should be. Everyone in Lampedusa actually wants their economy to function off tourism, but of course it's never going to whilst this continues. Well, I mean, it's a true invasion. There's no way you can't use women. the word invasion. That's an yeah. invasion. Look at the women, though. Yeah. And the they kids. spot the woman? Should and we play kids. spot the woman, actually? No, and sincerely. Like, actually try and spot a woman. Yeah. And this oh. was one of, the, one of the reasons why Georgia Maloney was criticized a lot by people from the right, because they thought that her response to this was, not what she promised and not what uh, it should have been. Now, let's move forward. Uh, migration, not into the, in Europe, but also into the US. Let's just look at a story because it happened. Tensions flare over migrants in New York City. Staten Island protesters are arrested while trying to stop buses carrying asylum seekers to shelter as they yell, take them back. Now, what is interesting here, because it happens all the time in a sense, but it it says over 110,000 asylum seekers have arrived in New York City since the spring of 2022, with over currently 10,000 arriving every month. This was an incident where you could see some internal Democrat blame, blame gaming. They were blaming each other. So you had the mayor of uh, New York City, Eric Adams, uh, blaming Biden and the federal government. The federal government did nothing. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez blamed U.S. foreign policy <laughs> decades back. It was just a, a blame game. But it, it's interesting because it shows that a lot of the times the Democrats are, are showing solidarity with other people's neighborhoods when it comes to the issue. And it was an interesting thing to note. Was that where there was like quite literally an angry mob sort um, of chanting and shouting over AOC while she was trying to tell them 
that this is this is normal and you should just suck it up. And, I uh, don't I don't remember to be honest. I, I can't give you an honest answer here. Okay. Uh, I don't that, ended remember, up, that did end up happening one way or another. I, I think that she does have uh, this effect on crowds. Anyway, just yeah. We have here Eric Adams slams Joe Biden again over New York City's migrant crisis as the president refuses to meet mayor while in town for the UN assembly. Now, um, a lot of things happened when it comes to GB News. Do you remember what happened to GB News? They fired some of the hosts because they wouldn't fuck a woman. So we have Cal- Calvin. <laughs> That's actually what happened, though. <laughs> Are you allowed to say the F bomb? Uh, I'm sorry, but I, I hate <laughs> this story so much. Where literally yeah. all that happened is they went, I won't have sex with her. And the entire political establishment of the UK went, How could you say that? I mean, the former prime minister, Gordon Brown, was wheeled out on Sky News to be like, I would have sex with her. Yeah. And it's just like, What the <laughs> hell is this? This is yeah. a real discussion we're having. And yes. then Calvin ended up losing his job because he also agreed he wouldn't have sex with her. But wasn't the whole take, because I don't watch much of GB News. I, I, I like Neil Oliver. Neil Oliver's great. Mm. I quite like that Christie's fella. He's quite good. But most of GB News I don't, I don't watch. Like the vast majority of it I don't watch. Uh, but wasn't the whole thing that the woman involved, that she always used that take, that angle? Yeah. If anyone tried to attack us, she'd be I like... I have sex with you, though. You're an ugly man. Right. And it's like, okay, well, we'll so, have sex with you. You're an ugly so man. So Lawrence Fox was actually only trying to throw that back in her face, essentially. Yeah. Right? That's what was really happening. And GB News pissed their own pants. Yeah. Because a bunch of Labourites pissed their pants. I was like, you could have just told them to go screw themselves. Who's the owner of GB News again? Or the main, the top dog, the Greek dude? Friend Jalopolopoulos. Yeah, him. Yeah. So it would have been nice if you'd shown some... Uh, yeah, do you know it, Stelios? How you actually uh, say it? I don't remember there. the okay. name, but uh, can you show me? I'll tell you. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I'll look it up real quick. Yeah. But it would have been good if he could have shown a bit of um, bit of gumption there, a well, bit of leadership, a bit of, bit of balls, really. There, there, it seems a shame that he's just capitulated effectively. Yeah. So there. essentially what's hap- what happened is that uh, Lawrence Fox uh, said that he wouldn't have sexual relations with that woman. And uh, a lot of uh, lefties there started saying that this is unacceptable. <laughs> she said also that she felt physically sick. Anyway, Lawrence Fox said that she felt uncomfortable. Lawrence Fox said that on Dan Wooten's show, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was some, according to Calvin, there was someone there uh, who texted, uh, I think her. She's saying they they said this about you. Watch it, go and watch it, and that's when the and whole thing very erupted. Clearly, yeah. I got sent into a Labour MP group chat. Yes. Because every Labour MP tweeted about it in the next hour. Yeah. It was like, yeah, that's organic. And essentially, what happened was that um, Lawrence Fox was uh, fired. Dan Wooden was fired after, after a bit. And Calvin basically said that uh, if GB News is not to become just another mainstream media outlet, it has to have a serious stance on free speech. And that reaction, that yeah, for that he was fired. So uh, you can watch uh, his account of the events here in Podcast 757. This was on the 6th of October, but I'm not stealing from my whoever does October because these are events that happened in September. Now, another, that's a, that's yes, uh, Agelos Fragopoulos. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now, I'm puzzled about English history. I want your help here, okay? Because basically you are the person to ask. Okay, yeah. Who built Stonehenge? <laughs> well, there are many ladies. Sit back, Harry. I got this. I got this. I got you, bro. Um, 
do you really want to know? Very, very quickly, there's a few layers to it. It was built yeah. over more than a millennia. So the original, the original builders were sort of Bell Beaker era peoples, ne uh, Neolithic Stone Age, the late Neolithic peoples, and the latest bits of it are much, much, much later than that. Oh, right, I say. So um, not, not sub-Saharan black people, though. Okay, so there was the BBBH <laughs> book by Atinuke. Uh, called Brilliant Black His British History. That's, that is a new children's history book that says basically things like... New history. Uh, every single British person comes from a migrant, but the very first, first Britons were black. And anyway, Stonehenge was built by black Britons. And let us look at this here because I found this. If we can click here in the pictures, let me... This is the Tariq Nasheed level. This one. Historic. I think this has to do with the Stuarts. Is this an accurate depiction of a Stuart? Wow. <laughs> I mean, it really is actually Tariq Nasheed. Wow. Suleiman was black. The Japanese, they was Ethiopians crossing over from Korea. Just like, the thing is, <laughs> what do you do with that? From our point of view, yeah. of course, that's absurd. Um, oh, they think that's know. real. But, yeah. So from our point of view, it's, a, it's both <laughs> funny, it's annoying <laughs> and funny. Yeah. But from their point of view, how oh, can they God. think, yes, we're winning? Like, this is a win for us. Or that something. truth has been discovered. Yeah. Like, they what actually kind of... think that's what England looked like. And there's, of course, there's the other sort of extremely odd contradiction that they also think that Britain is sort of intrinsically, systemically racist, racist and bigoted yeah. and that empire, all empire is evil and all that. But, but they're also responsible for it as well, though. It just makes no sense whatsoever. It's true madness on a, a few different levels, right? To do that. So you, revisionist history. Um, Sorry, I just want to also look yeah. at the Vikings over here. This is before, so when a few had come, and then by the time of the stewards, 100% of the British population were black, and then something happened. I don't know. That's okay. So <laughs> if they're saying the Stonehenge era people were black, yeah. then why weren't they black the whole time? Why are they sort of... I don't know. We'll go back further in history. The look Romans at the Romans. Black, but if the Celts are white, who built Stonehenge? <laughs> <laughs> Just, are, we, are we missing? A... <laughs> I mean, the original builders of Stonehenge, the ne late Neolithic peoples, they were long before the Celts. Yeah, so okay. Just... So, yeah, there were black people, then the Celts came, killed them all. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also fun because... <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is, yeah, it's mad. It's also fun because it says basically that I know the West is inherently racist and oh, yeah. whitest or something, and look at the depiction of the Romans. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, because the Romans did uh, invade and conquer North Africa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but of course, the North African people aren't sub-Saharan black people. Kind of what sub-Saharan means. Exa right, exactly. Below the... Yeah, Below that's, the that's but then you can make the argument that this person, even this emperor, was African. They were African. So they must look like they were from the Congo or Nigeria or something. Ugh. There's one in the Tudor period. There is a painting of uh, a, a sub-Saharan black person, full uh, black person, because uh, there was someone in one of the Tudor courts, I think maybe the Elizabethan court, I can't quite remember, might be Henry VIII, um, where they were, I think they were a minstrel or a bard of some type, and there's an oil painting, a legit painting. But they were sort of, they were the complete exception to the rule. Yeah. Um, to, to such a degree. Uh, but yet, historians, revisionists, liars, will say, no, look, there's a bit of evidence there that there were black people, sub-Saharan black people, in Britain during the Tudor period, 
and therefore you can't say for sure there weren't loads of them. Bo, do but you think you what, can, was were there any sources written by the historian Netflixius? <laughs> was there? Was there? Anyway, great tone. Um, do you him. remember what do you think of the um, Canadian government and its uh, constant claim that it can find extremism everywhere? It's just another. It's just another madness, isn't it? Do, do you remember what happened? It happened in September. The scandal over a standing ovation for a Nazi veteran is now raising questions about a cemetery monument in Canada that honors his Waffen-SS unit. Remember, it's Yaroslav uh, Hunka, I think. This is what happens when you've got an agenda and you're prepared to walk anything, including reality and the nature of history and past events and cause and effect. You're prepared to walk or lie about all of that in order to serve your one current agenda thing. You put up the 14 so, Waffen SS Division monuments <laughs> in Canada. So the angle is, isn't it, that we, yeah. we, we hate Russia at the moment. Yeah. We've, we're pro-Ukraine and we hate Russia. Yeah. So anything that dunks on Russia in some way, yeah. even if it's pro-Nazi, actual Nazi. And, they they the had SS. a very weird response afterwards it's because they, some of them apologized. Others were trying to introduce some nuance and say that Maybe we, need to remember, so we need to <laughs> remember the Holodomor and why yeah. lots of Ukrainians wanted to gain independence from Russia and things like that. But it's interesting that you, you see this claim from uh, Canadian uh, woke people, progressivists who are constantly infatuated with finding extremism everywhere, and they were literally clapping for an ex-SS member. If I remember rightly, he was in one of the Grenadier divisions. If I remember, I, I can't remember exactly, but if I recall, he was in one of the actual Waffen-SS Grenadier divisions, I think, um, who saw loads of combat on the Eastern Front and would have been involved in... Um, probably. Probably would have been involved. Or in fact, I think that division... As, okay, a little bit of nuance here. The, the, the actual Wehrmacht, the army, would go through and it would be, it would be uh, more police units that would round up people for the, for the mass exterminations. It wouldn't necessarily be the Wehrmacht themselves. Well, it wasn't usually. Um, nonetheless, I believe the unit he was in saw lots and lots of action on the Eastern Front and were even briefly fought on the Western Front after D-Day, I believe. Might be wrong. I hope I'm not wrong about that. In other words, if the, I think that is right, fought against U.S. and Canadian troops. Yeah. So but, in World War II, they were the en- He was the enemy of Canada. Yeah. Um, but I don't have the impression uh, that uh, contemporary progressivists learn history. They don't care. They didn't care about any of that, did they? It was just there's four Nazi monuments in Canada. Are just up. It's not just that one. Didn't know that. Okay. This is what happens when you don't learn history, I guess. Yeah. Because it's all just like, oh, they were the Ukrainian army, right? And this other one is like, oh, he was just a Serb, wasn't he? It's like, no. <laughs> no, no, he was not. <laughs> now, um, let's move to a fun bit that happened. Do you know Ibram X. Kendi? Of yeah, the, yeah, where, the anti-racist. Yeah, yeah, who basically where, says the beautiful line. Let me say this. I have it here because, I mean, I have to read it. And basically, it says, he says, racism is a collection of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> you don't define it, mate. Anyway, yeah. So he had a, a circular reasoning, isn't it? Yeah. There's no circular definition. There's no logic. To nothing. That. Anyway, okay. it's a nothing burger. Do you call it? The Americans call it that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's round. Also, it's also circular. Yeah. So what happened was that his anti-racist research center got uh, involved in a scandal where there were massive layoffs and um, people losing their jobs. And what happened was that he got $43 million in donations for research. And, after, and his research output wasn't sub particularly substantial. And people started having, uh, um, let's say, I go at him. I'm, I won't say I'm completely split on this because on the one hand, I think he shouldn't be anywhere near a university right. or anywhere near grants. But on the other hand, if you give, if you give money for research to someone who basically tells you, I know everything already because any racial discrimination, any racial disparity is caused by racism. That is axiom. Mm. There isn't anything to research there. Uh, yeah. He already yeah. tells you, I know everything. So in a way, how do, why do you give money for research to someone who, who says, I already know everything and there isn't anything to research? So especially something, especially something in the ballpark of 40-odd million. Like, it's difficult. It's like Brewster's yeah. millions. It's difficult to spend that amount of money. Well, where did that go? How can you spend... It depends. Unless you build whole buildings, <laughs> right? Unless you build an, an, an entire campus of new buildings, maybe then you could spend yeah. over $40 million. Otherwise, it's... And... Uh, Another thing, do you remember Black Lives Matter? Unfortunately, I do. Remember. So there was a one of its organizers Scan, yeah. um, f admitted fraud after 30,000 pounds raised from donors went missing. So it's Zara Salim, 23, pleaded guilty to one count of fraud by abuse of position. And if you see oh, here, yeah. she... I was on that one that day. Yeah. I was on the podcast that day, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, complete fraud. Yeah. A despicable human being. Yes. And now let's uh, end with a, on a funny note. And uh, this is a bit esoteric, but uh, Carl went on holiday and we had the two, we had the two podcasts where we talked about our series. And uh, here is where it was myself, Dan and Connor. And I want to end with the, with the next one, which uh, had uh, Josh, you and Harry talking about your respective series. Th these were two really wholesome episodes as far as I'm concerned. And I want to just say here to end with this, I think that Harry's smile here is absolutely demonic. Uh, I, I think it's just demonic. really weird. Yeah, yeah. I, we, okay. I, we, we talked with him about it. He, he finds it fun. Anyway, All right, we're, okay. we're just having fun. I'm so just trying to tell you to that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we were, we were talking with Harry and we said that it is one of his... Most uh, weird smiles, anyway. I'm wearing the same tire. Yeah. I've actually got quite a lot of times, but I happen to be wearing the exact same tire there. You keep it for special and, occasions. And blazer. Yeah. Anyway. So, that's it. Oh, right. Fair enough. And um, we're not doing video comments or anything, because again, pre-record. So, if you like that, um, have a good time during the Christmas period. Bye-bye. <laughs>